Sue Hoyt began her life in Portland, Maine, moved to Peaks Island in grammar school, and back to the mainland when she started high school. She graduated from Portland High in 1965 and spent a year in college. At 22, she married her high school sweetheart. They had two sons and lived in a nice little house in Durham, Maine. And then one day, her husband told her he'd like to build a log cabin in the woods. I'm Diane Atwood, and you're listening to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health podcast. In my conversation with Sue, among other things, she talked about building that log cabin in the woods and raising her sons off the grid. I never thought I would do that, but I ended up moving up to 50 acres of woods up in Dover Foxcroft and building a log house from scratch with no electricity. It was a lot of work. I worked really hard, and my husband did too, and the boys did. They were little? At the they time. they were little. Yep, Josh was in second grade when we moved up there, and Jay was in fourth. So what possessed you to do that in the first place? It wasn't me. I had a nice little cute house in Durham, and I was really happy, and we lived there seven years. But my husband decided he wanted to buy land and build a log house. And so we ended up selling our house and moving up to Dover Foxcroft and doing that. And it was, I worked really hard hauling. I got so, <laughs> I could take a 15-foot cedar tree, three inches at the small end. I got, it took a long time, but I got so I could pick that up, put it on my shoulder, and walk it out of the woods to the, to the truck. And uh, one day it was like, wow, this doesn't even hurt. It's very heavy, but it doesn't hurt at all. Wow. Yeah, I know. It amazed me. I said, how'd that happen? <laughs> so you got physically strong. I, got, I was getting physically strong. Yeah, I was. Everything had, was done by hand. Every, every piece of food we ate, every loaf of bread was all homemade. And it was cooked on a, um, on a cook stove. I had a nice cook stove, and that was our heat and for cooking. You could have easily... Put your foot down and said, there's no way that I'm going to do this. I know, but that wasn't my nature. And this was my family. I wanted to keep us all together. And I just did what I had to do. And was it a good time there? I mean, was it a good atmosphere for you to raise the boys? Oh, yes. Yeah, we read books. We'd go to the library and get tons of books. We didn't have TV or even a radio. We'd get batteries occasionally. We could watch, like, listen to radio for a short time. But most of the time, we had books, and we were out. We would we'd go canoeing. We had a canoe. We'd go out and go fishing, camping, you know, things like that. That was what we did. And my sons, to this day, are very close. They were hard. <laughs> you all had to work hard. We all worked hard. We, and, they, and I taught them. I taught them how to cook. I taught them how to do all those things. And did they go to school or did you homeschool them? No, they went to school. They went to the school in Dover, Foxcroft. And they both of them graduated from Foxcroft Academy um, and went on to the University of Maine, both of them. When the boys were in college, Sue and her husband divorced. She was 47 and faced with the challenges of living in their log cabin off the grid by herself and figuring out how she would get on with her life. She decided to join her sons at the University of Maine in Orono and pursue a degree in social work. She quickly landed a job as a crisis worker. I loved crisis work. And before I'd even graduated, so I didn't even have them, bachelor degree yet <laughs> and all the other crisis workers had masters and were, were studying for PhDs and stuff and they offered me a full-time job 
And I said, I can't do that. I still got like another whole semester to go for new, I got papers I got to write. And she said, well, when we're not busy, you can use our computers and you can write papers. And I was like, wow, I, I, my head was in the clouds. I couldn't believe Well, it. they saw your value. They did. And I don't, I don't know just what, how they saw it. I mean, I was just, I was just throwing myself into something new and it was exciting. And it was obviously the right choice. It was. It was. It was the right choice for me. So did you work in the mental health field up until the time that you had to move up here? Nope. No, I never did. I, um, I worked as a banker, an accountant, and a bookkeeper for a few years. And then I raised my kids for a number of years until they were like in junior high school. And so, no, I never had. But I, I do have, uh, I have a history of mental illness in my family. And a lot of my closest, closest relatives uh, have schizophrenia. So that I grew up with that in my life, you know, no, you know, seeing that and living with that with many people, seven, eight <laughs> of my closest relatives. So I think that's why I was so interested in that, in mental illness, and why I was so good working with people who were in crisis, because I would listen to them. I wouldn't judge them. And working with them, I would try to find something good for them, you know, so that they would be in a safe place, whatever was happening at that time in their life. After about three years as a crisis worker in Bangor, Sue decided to move back to Portland. She worked at Shalom House, which provides housing and an array of services for people with serious mental illness. But in 2010, she became ill. I began to get sick, and then I ended up in the emergency room, and I was very close to dying from kidney disorder. And so they did tests, and they, they, my creatinine level was really, really high, and they said I couldn't go until it was down. And it did come down eventually, but they never knew what, what happened. I know I had a ton of liquids that they pumped into me. Um, and meds they gave me, but I, don't, they, I never knew just what I had. I don't think they knew, but I got better. I got better, and I was doing well, and then my sons lived up this way in the, in the Brewer area, and so they said, Mom, you've got to come up here so you can be close to us and we can help you. They're now 46 and 47 years old. Can you believe it? Yes, and I'm very proud of them. They're both great, great. They have families and job, great jobs, and they're just and they're very helpful and, and kind and good to me and to each other. They're very close to each other also. So I moved up here less than a year after my kidney failure. I moved up here. So you've been here how long? I've been here eight years now. And are you happy here? Yes, I am. I'm content. I'm very content. I've made a new life for myself here. I do the Senior Companion Program through the University of Maine, um, and I also volunteer at Food and Medicine, which is a, a really great agency that helps people. Um, and I keep busy, and I'm doing pretty good. And did your boys and other people think, good, this means that she's going to just like settle in and not... <laughs> <laughs> probably they did, probably they did. But I, I just knew that I had to do something. And I knew there were volunteer jobs. I mean, there were, there's agents, hospitals, and all kinds of agencies that are, you know, would love to have somebody be a volunteer with them. I just wasn't ready to just sit home and wait for my turn to die. And that's how I thought about it. Okay, am I ready now to just sit here and, you know, just watch TV or, you know, 
just go to the store once in a while and just wait for my turn to die. And it was like, I think I, I think I need to do something. I think I need to help. And I didn't know just how, but I needed, I needed to do that. That's what I did for all those years as a crisis worker and as a case manager, even a housing specialist. Those were all helping things. As a volunteer with the Maine Senior Companion Program, Sue visits and helps people who can no longer get out on their own. Right now I have five clients I visit through the, every week, <laughs> so I'm busy every day. So you go and you visit each of your clients and they each have different needs? Yes, they do. Some people, um, some of my clients are in assisted living, some are in their own home, and some just need me to, someone they can call if, they, if something comes up, or they just, I just go and spend two or three hours with them and talk. We reminisce, you know, just, it's, that's all I do. It's just I visit people. And then some of my clients need me to take them to the grocery store or to the doctors or whatever comes up that they need. And I do that. I take people. So you're giving something. It's kind of like being, it's a continuation of being a case manager in many ways, but with a lot less responsibilities. So you're giving something to these people, but you're getting something. Oh, I mean, yes, definitely. What, definitely. Do you, what do you get? It's fulfilling inside of me. You know, I feel like I'm doing something positive and good, but also I keep walking, and I have arthritis and stenosis in my neck and my back, and I have a lot of my shoulders are all shot. From all those cedar logs yes. that you had? Yes, I know, I know. So... And, and I found that the more I walk, like going to this grocery store and walking all around, and I help people, like some of them are really, you know, unable to get things off high shelves or low shelves. And I'll say, what do you need? Do you need this here or there? And I'll help them while I'm, while I'm shopping with them. And so I, I find that walking, continuously working and walking and being busy really helps me. I'm going to also interview one of your clients, LaVon. She's 100? Yes, she is. She was 100 in February. And what does she give you? She, she and I are best friends. I've been with her. She was my very first client with the Senior Companion Program, and it was in July of six years ago, whatever year that is. And so we have been, she was living on her own in a trailer, and she, she and I have gone all kinds of things. We're be like best friends in many ways. We go up to Anglers up in Hamden. That's, is that a restaurant? It's a little restaurant up in Hamden, and they have um, squash, which is just a little side order of squash, you know. But she and I go up there just to have that squash. And in fact, the waitress says, oh, here come the squash ladies. <laughs> Another place where I volunteer is for food and medicine up here. It's a, it's a nonprofit um, grassroots you know, organization, and we, I'm on the Food Access Committee, and I have been for now about four, going on five years, and we came, we decided we wanted to do something to help people get healthy, affordable food. That's the whole basic concept of the Food Access Committee. So we were sitting around talking about it, and there were only three or four of us on the committee, but we were talking about it, and I said, you know what would be nice if we put nice raised gardens in? We got Bangor Housing, Brewer Housing, all these different organizations around town. If they would allow us to put those raised gardens in, where all the people who need, you know, healthy, good, 
affordable food, I think that would be a good idea. So one of the workers and I went over to Bangorhausen and we presented our, our, our plan of what we'd like to do and it ended up happening. Is there somebody when you were younger who had an influence on you, who helped shape you? I think that would be my grandmother. I was very close to my grandmother, more close with her than most anybody. I lived with her for a whole year. I went to junior high school, ninth grade, and lived with her. Because um, I grew up very poor, oldest of seven kids. <laughs> and um, my mother was a single mother, and she, we, so we were very poor. And I ended up living with my grandmother, and she, she was very helpful. Um, and she, she did, in her way, shape me in that, she had really good qualities about her. She worked hard. She walked to work. Even when she was in her 70s, she, was walk, she worked on Brighton Avenue. She lived up top Brighton Avenue, and she had to walk all the way down to the... She worked at Dyer and Dyer Cleaners at the bottom of Brighton Avenue there. And she'd have, she walked every day to go to work, and she just, she just influenced me in those ways, that her life was different than my mother's life was. And, um, and she taught me a lot. She taught me a lot about cooking and just everything. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for people of any age? I don't know. The only thing I know is it was very helpful for me, and I don't know how you'd be able to do that, but to look at life as an adventure. Everything you do is an adventure, whether it's good or bad. It's all an adventure, and it's all whatever it is. That's its value, you know what I mean? You've been listening to Conversations About Aging, a Catching Health podcast. I'm Diane Atwood. To get more information about the organizations that Sue volunteers with, to listen to other conversations about aging, and to read my blog posts on health and wellness, visit catchinghealth.com. This podcast was made possible by our sponsors, Avita of Stroudwater, a memory care facility, and Stroudwater Lodge, an assisted living community, both in Westbrook, Maine. You'll find out more about them at northbridgecos.com. A shout out to Smith Atwood Video Services for editing the podcast. See what else they have to offer at smithatwood.com. And I'd also like to thank Tom Muser for his support. He's director of the Center for Excellence in Aging and Health at the University of New England.